Welcome to the SNA Live podcast, hosted by Three the Hard Way. This is for the culture. Black and Latinx, where you at? What's good, cigar fam, and welcome to SNA Live, the podcast not just about cigars and cigar lounges, but life in general. Because if you're smoking cigars with your peoples in a nice lounge and only talking about cigars, then you missed the whole motherfucking point. We're recording as always from Smoking Ashes, Cigars, and Haberdashery, the newest, hottest cigar lounge in these continental United States. Now seen on one institution's media platform, in addition to our usual platforms. With me as always are my partners in crime, Malik and Ryan. Say what's up to the people. Yo, yo, what's going on? What up, fam? What's going on? Welcome to the show, baby. This is episode number three, 80s Babies, because that's who we are and that's the era we grew up in. During this episode, we're going to be talking about Krizak. <laughs> we're going to be talking about hip-hop. And we're going to do our segment, Notable Mention, shouting out the illustrious Mr. Dapper Dan. We're also going to have our, obviously, our last call. In our last call, we're going to have our bonus topic, talking about the WWF. Yes, not the E. No. Back with, before, we're not Richard. talking about the World Wide, uh, Wild uh, Federation, yeah. Wildlife Federation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Like original, original wrestling, where we talking about Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Iron Sheik, people like that. Uh huh. And as usual, we're gonna end it off with the "What You Rocking With" segment. And with that being said, as usual, cut your stick, light them up, and let's get it popping. Welcome to SNA Live, a podcast like no other. Featuring three the hard way. You, you want it? You got it. Yes. Yes. Welcome back. Episode three. 80s babies. If you ask me, it's one of the best eras in the best decade. So much happened in the 80s. A lot of good, a lot of bad. A lot of happy, a lot of sad. But right now, it's a perfect time to grab your stick. Grab a seat, grab your drink, and let's rock. Episode number three. 80s babies, yo, I'm amped about this episode. Yes, man. sir. Like, like, like Ryan said, man, it was a great decade. It was a lot of bad, a lot of sad, but a lot of great. A lot of great came out of that really that decade. Show. A lot of great came yep. out of that era. You know, like, and and that's we're, we're product of the 80s. You know, that's why we entitled it 80s babies. You know, myself, I was born in October '78. Leek was born in 79. May of '79. Rye was born in May of '80. So. All we knew growing up as kids was the 80s, you know, so obviously by the 90s, we you know, were becoming uh, adolescents and teenagers, but the 80s is, is what shaped us. Hell so yeah. So we're, we're definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely amped and, and, and excited about this episode. But before we get to our first topic, as usual, we're going to get into what we're smoking and what we're drinking. So Ryan, I'm going to let you set it off. Tell us what you're smoking for this episode. I am enjoying right now. Cigar that's been talked about a lot before we actually carried it here. Um, we just got this in recently. Uh, it's Pachardo Classical. This, yeah, I mean, yeah, I had it the other day. All right, so you're looking at 
a complex piece of art right here. You're gonna have a Sumatra Ecuadorian rapper. You have a Habano Nicaraguan filler. And then you have more fillers and binders from Jalapa, Condega, Ometepe, and they're all Nicaraguan. So it's a Nicaraguan puro inside. You know, with the Ecuadorian Sumatra wrap. This cigar was put together by one of the best blenders in the world. I think some motherfuckers gonna have to get out the Rosetta Stone to understand what you just said right there. Yeah, so you know what's funny when you talk about South America and yeah, like, you yeah, know, the regions, yeah, yeah. they are kind of like Aztecian, you mm -hmm. know, you know, has still like a lot of that, yeah. you know, the name of the their, their regions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I so, get it. I get it. But um, at the end of the day, though, one of the best blenders ever put this together. Mm -hmm. Don Radio Pichardo. Pichardo. So this cigar was brought to our attention by Mike the Greek. What up, Mike? Mike, what up? Mike right now is uh, doing a great humanitarian work out in Nicaragua, helping yes, you know kids that are like you know born with uh, disabilities. And, yeah. You know he's just doing some humanitarian work. But Mike is out in Nicaragua right now doing this thing. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, you shout know, out Mike. Yeah, thank you for you know getting this stick here. Uh, it's a great smoke so far. Once you lit it up, you know you got hit with a little bit of flavor nuances. It's actually my perfect smoking size. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm not you know I don't like big gauge. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is like a fifty. It's like a fifth a fifty by six and a half. So it's like, you know, it's just perfect size to actually taste the blend thoroughly. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So I mean that's on me, man. And uh Malik, what are you smoking on? So I'm I went back to uh Old Faithful. The Tatuaje line. Uh this is the Kohonu two thousand and three Reserva um broadleaf. So y'all know I'm a big Broadleaf fan. Yeah, I haven't had that one in like yeah. easily three, four years. That's I said. That I spot in back. Jersey, that Soprano spot you took exactly. me to. That was yes. the last time I had a Tatuaje yeah, like yeah. that. Good, really good cigar, really good cigar. Um, again, uh, Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper, um, Nicaraguan fillers and binders. So this is a really good cigar. If you know Tatuaje, you know that they make a lot of strong cigars. Yeah. I'm going to take my time with this tonight. <laughs> so, but uh, again, it's flavor bomb. Uh, you get some sweetness, you get some white pepper. Um, you know, you get a little in the middle of it, it starts changing a little. You get a little like a chocolate syrupy type of uh, flavor going on, but um, definitely a really good cigar. Definitely has good construction and it burns really s slow, so that's the reason why I picked it tonight. Obviously, we're gonna be here for a while, so I want to yeah. you know, stay with one cigar, but uh, yeah, Tatuaje. Nice. Can't nice. go wrong with that, baby. What, what about you, Kami? What are you smoking, man? So, we've had this cigar in, in the humidor for a little while, and I was surprised when I picked it out and both of you said that you hadn't gotten to it yet. Mm. So, one of my favorite cigars back in the day was the uh, Long Live the King by Caldwell. And we recently, well, this, we've had this now for what, almost a month now, right? Bad Mofo, I think we had a little longer. A little than longer, that. yeah. Wow, time flies. Okay. So, it's the Bad Mofo by Caldwell. It has the same logo as the Long Live the King, except if I remember correctly, the Long Live the King had red and white. And this has yeah, they blue changed and white. the color changed scheme. Yeah. So still by Caldwell. Um, Their artwork it, is always fire. Yo, I was, I was sitting here looking at this picture, and I was like, yeah, that would be an ill tattoo. It's fire. It <laughs> is. is. They, they, their artwork is, is fire. Kind of, yeah, huh? it, 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 it really is. Like, I don't know if I have anywhere left on my body to put it, but because I got mad tats, but it's... <laughs> I might I might have just took that. Fine, sir. I'm taking that. <laughs> I'm getting it. Stop biting my stops, man. <laughs> so... Um, so it's, it has the San, uh, Mexican San Andreas wrapper, mm -hmm. which I recently fell in love with. I'm, I'm always that was I'm, one of our first, league, right? Yeah, was, definitely. When we first started, yeah. Like, yeah. Mexican San Andreas, yeah. one of our go-to's. Yeah, yo, it's 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 such an amazing. It gives it such an amazing taste and flavor. Um, 
it also has an Indonesian binder. Oh, there we go. So that's what's the change, right? Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So, and you know, I don't hold myself up to be a, a, as much of a cigar aficionado like Malik and Ryan, but you know, I know my way around the humidor. But I gotta, I can't front. This is, I think, it's one of my first times smoking a cigar with an Indonesian binder. Yeah, because you didn't get to try those Lost and Founds yet. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, and then uh, same uh, guy, by the way, Caldwell. Yeah, same, same yeah, company. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, a Corojo filler. Uh, yeah. So it's it's That's supposed to. Right so I just obviously just lit it up. So I've never smoked this before. My first time. It's supposed to give flavors of milk chocolate, black pepper, uh, oak, and like a leathery type of finish. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll chime back in. You know when we're like midway through the, the the episode and, and let y'all know. But I will say this though. Not to say that just because you you have one or two pulls of something means it's gonna be the consistent all the way through, mm-hmm. but you can always tell a special cigar over those first couple pulls. Oh, definitely. definitely. And if, as long as it doesn't go crazy or go left mm-hmm. midway through, you're gonna have a good smoke. And so far, mm-hmm. off the first few pulls, it. this is a good smoke. Okay. That's definitely. good. Man. That's good for me. I, I I gotta let it transition at least to yeah. the second, third. Yeah, I let. But even then, sometimes I get a little nervous because it could still finish off sour mm-hmm. or, you know, pungent. Yeah, harsh. Yeah. Yeah, so. But, but at least it's a good start. You know what I'm saying? Like, because some cigars. They start off horrible. Exactly. And you don't even, you don't even you want don't, to continue. You don't want to give it a chance. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This shit's a wrap after that. You're like, this is the king of that shit right here. Yeah, this you is here. You know Malik me. is the cigar diva. <laughs> I, he would be like this. By half of it, if I'm, if nothing's half, going on, I'm like. you do less. Lick me in the first third, be like, mm. Flicking it, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Flicking it like a cigarette. Flicking it like a cigarette. We was doing an episode here one day. I think you ran through like three in the first. We were just yeah. going through the first yeah. p- part of the show. Yeah. Hated it. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. You just was like, nah, I'm going to the, like, you just left in the middle of the fucking Yeah, episode. no, he was like, done. He just got door. up and just said, yeah, yeah I'm done with this. It's carpet. Screw you guys. I'm going to so we obviously we can't jump to the topic until we talk about what we're drinking. Mm. So what we're drinking today is kind of old faithful, right? There. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So I'm pretty sure we we drank this in season one at we some de- point. Yeah, we, we had definitely time, had. Right? Yeah. We definitely okay. had. Yeah. So for those that haven't listened to to season one and are just now you know coming on uh, uh, up on us on, on season two, Balvini is what we're drinking the 12 year double wood Scotch. So. A little backstory. I myself got put onto Balvini years ago. I was um, leaving the cigar in in Midtown Manhattan on Second Ave between 53rd and 54th, and I was leaving, going to a bar. I was with a friend, and we hit the bar. It's like about a half a block, block block and a half away from from the cigar in, uh, going in the downtown direction, right on Second Ave. And at the time, I was drinking Glenfiddich. Mm. So I go to the bar, I go up to the bartender, I said, hey, you know, you guys have Glenfiddich? He's like, yeah, yeah. I said, all right, let me get a Glenfiddich neat. For those that don't know, that's another scotch. It's a 12-year, which is what I usually drink. And at the time, was my favorite scotch. And if you don't know what neat is, it means with no ice. And normally, on a lot of bartenders don't know this, it's basically a double. Yeah. Some and people it, won't pour it yeah, as and, a true and, double. And, and, and at room temperature. Yeah, straight off the shelf. So... The bartender looks at me and he's like, okay, I'll give you the Glenfiddich for free if I give you another drink and you don't like the other drink. So I was like, bet. 
Like, let's yeah, go. This is good. Uh, like, let, cause it's a win-win for me exactly, right now. Exactly, because I'm like, yo, Glenn Fittick's my favorite scotch at, yeah. at the time, right? This is about like seven, eight years mm-hmm. ago. So I was like, at the time, I'm like, oh, bad. Like, let's go. Let's do it. Like, put the drink down. Yeah. So he doesn't show me what he pours. Like, he turns his back. He puts it underneath the bar, pours it, puts the glass on the table. I take a sip. I, and I take the sip just knowing. I'm like, this is going to be some bullshit. It's mm-hmm. not going to be as good as Glenn Fittick. Got you. Now, keep in mind, I... Th- I thought I knew good scotch at the time, mm-hmm. but I like looking back on it, I kind of just got interested. Yeah, you was an amateur. Yeah, I was. You was an amateur. Oh, it's my minor front. So mm-hmm. I took a sip and I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh-huh. And he was like, that, sir, is called Balvini. And I was like, well, then, sir, this is now my new favorite yep. scotch. Mm-hmm. Yep. It'll I do it. I thought too. I was going to be drinking for free tonight, but I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> so from that moment on, I was a fan of Balvini. So flash forward about two, three years, Malik, you have a um a barbecue in your yeah, backyard. Yeah. I don't know, was it Memorial Day, July 4th, or was it just I like Fourth of July? Yeah, you used to do fourth because I did July. Memorial yeah, you Day. You did Memorial, yeah, so it was yeah. 4th of July. So it was 4th of July. So I wasn't telling you guys that I was gonna bring it. <laughs> and I hadn't I don't think I had ever had that conversation with I think you. Guys. We got whopped that day. Yeah, um, yeah we, we used to get whopped at those barbecues. Yeah, we <laughs> so I bring over the Balvini and I just Pull it out the, the the bag and don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. People are like, what is this? What is this? Like, just just taste it. And Shorty was there. Um, Shannon, Shannon, Shannon yeah. was there, and she had not even a Scotch person. Yeah, and that's how you know it's a good Scotch yeah. when you're not even a Scotch person. And they appreciate it. And that was like, the Caribbean cast, wasn't it? No, no, that was no, the twelve year. It was the twelve year double wood. Okay, twelve year double wood. And I'm passing it out to people, and everybody is like, Yo, what is what this? the fuck is what this? What is this? Uh-huh. So. For everybody's um, just educational, what this is, it's a, when they say double wood, it's because it's soaked in two different casks. It's soaked in a sherry cask and it's soaked in a, I think it's a regular cask. I'm trying to remember the other cask that it's. I think it's, it's a regular. It's oak cask. It's oak cask. It's oak. It's one oak and then one sherry. It's aged 12 years. So any. For those who don't drink scotch or don't even know about like aging processes or whatever, when you age a, a liquor, it becomes more refined. It becomes smoother, becomes more expensive. Yeah. But usually it ends up being a better drink. So Valvini was one of those scotches that amongst other cigars that we would smoke was one of those scotches that just kind of was like, the onset of this whole thing with us. Yeah, I would have to agree with Listen, that. I didn't even drink scotch until you actually brought this to my attention. Now, ever since then, it's about me. Yeah, yeah I, I was heavy. Even a, I, I was heavy into drinker. the bourbons. Yeah, I, would I was touch a bourbon into and scotch rum when I didn't. I didn't um, really feel like having a bourbon, but I drank more bourbon back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah, I wasn't a big scotch guy. Now, I'm, the tables are turned for me though. I'm a scotch now guy. I'm a scotch guy. Yeah, because yeah. you you can. Scotch is not as heavy as bourbon. Yes, and don't get us wrong. Like we'll still drink, still drink bourbon. Oh yeah, don't get it fucked up. I mean, because you can't have Balvini every single time. No, you want to, you want to be able to appreciate it. And I didn't tell you guys that I was bringing this today Mm -mm. because it's been a little while since we've had it. Definitely been a minute. So I was like, you know what? Let me since we're doing '80s babies, it's a throwback (laughs) episode. We bring a throwback. throwback. Exactly. Exactly. So speaking about '80s babies, let's get into the first topic. And our first topic is crack. Now. If you were alive in the 80s, whether you were a kid, whether you were an adult, whether you were a teenager, the one thing that the decade definitely was known for was the crack epidemic. Especially if you lived in the inner cities. Exactly. And we're, so we're, we're, we're Bronx dudes. 
um, myself, Malik, Bronx, and Yonkers, um, Ryan, all Bronx. So either way, crack played a huge oh, no, like, role yeah, in both uh, environments. We used to call Yonkers the Upper Bronx. Yeah, that's basically all it was. <laughs> so all it was. so North, the, North Bronx. Those, yeah, those North, are not from the not North, from New North York. Bronx. North, North yeah. Bronx. Yeah. 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 Those are who are not from New York. Yonkers is basically the first city right, right after the Bronx. Mm-hmm. So the Bronx goes from, I want to say, 135th all the way up to 242nd. Yeah, and and then after 242nd on Broadway, the next block over is the beginning of Yonkers. Mm-hmm. So shout out Y.O. So either way, you, you split it. Like whether it be Bronx, Yonkers, like crack hit hard. So let's talk about you guys' experience in when you first heard about it, when you first experienced like your first crackhead, when you first experienced like, oh, okay, I, I get what's going on now. Cause keep in mind, like we said, we're 80s babies. Mm-hmm. Meaning by the end of the era, at the oldest, I think, cause I'm the oldest of the three, I was 12 at the end of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we're still not old enough to be in the game or old enough to have it affect us directly yeah. meaning like obviously you know there were some people unfortunately that fell victim and, and became crackheads and there were some people that were slinging it so we were too young for that yeah. you know what i'm saying but at the same to time to be a part of it to be a yeah, part of it yeah. but like it doesn't physically yes but, but it didn't mean it didn't impact because i know i can speak for myself personally it impacted me and i, and I know just in our previous conversations yeah. Yeah. it's definitely impacted the both of you guys yeah definitely i mean my my memories i've told you guys this story before i think i might have been seven eight years old probably about eight years old and outside in front of my building, Ravine Ave, playing in the dirt by myself, sitting there just digging in the dirt. I don't know what I was doing. I must, must have been digging for something and kind of making little sand castles, whatever I was doing. And I just remember digging and like seeing these little, little colorful, little colorful vibes. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is, oh, this is cool. What is mm-hmm. this? And it's like literally started playing with them. It was like yeah. four or five of them yeah. buried. Two days later, when it came out again, I was in another spot, digging, another one. I was like, wow. Yeah. So later on, obviously, it's like buried treasure. Yeah, it was like buried, yeah. yeah. So yeah. as I got older, obviously, I realized that's where the the drug deals they were stashing. That's where they were hiding, yeah. hiding their, you know, their, their work. Yeah. But um, I mean that, and then just seeing people transform. So specifically, women. I mean, at least in, in my experience, that's when I really saw it because I I I would see the most beautiful woman specifically. You know who I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. Hood. Yep. This woman was beautiful, like drop dead gorgeous, and like within emphasis on was within a year she looked like a freaking zombie, dude. And it was like I'm like yo, straight Michael Jackson thriller. Like, yo, what the hell happened to her? Like, oh, and then that's when kind of you know the word crack started coming back around, and that's when you know kids would make fun. Your mother's a crackhead. Yeah. <laughs> that was big. That's that was why your number, mother's that, a crackhead. That was the number one jab. That right was there. the number yeah. one jab. Yo, fights used to get you know started over that. Call somebody a crack. Somebody's parents I'm, a crackhead. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna bring it back even further it wasn't even crackhead it was base head base head yes. remember that no 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 base was worse a base head yeah. like, I don't know and y'all I heard it say base head, base head but when yeah. you heard base though base was worse yeah, like, oh, you yeah, took definitely. that harder than a crackhead mm-hmm. I don't know it just hit harder because you think about the pipe for real <laughs> but yeah man I mean again my experience was just that's when I really started noticing it was it was again it was it was the woman because I'm just like you see women just transform from one thing to like to looking like they were like they were on their last leg about to die, man. And then, you know, it was just, and I have friends who actually, one of the, one of the, um, the, the ladies was a good friend of mine's mom. And I used to go over his house and I used to hang out. And then 
Next thing I know, every time I used to go over his house, she was never there. Mm. <laughs> she was never there. I'm like, yo, where your mom at? I don't, he don't, he, I don't know. She, she house, so I don't know. She wants somewhere. And he knew what was going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. She was trying to get that hit. As I got older, I felt sorry for the dude. I'm like, damn, yo, mom, I think she wound up dying like maybe four or five years wow. later. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, That's crazy. I mean, my memories, I, I would say, no, I haven't. I didn't have anybody in my family, close in my family, who, yeah. who succumbed to it, but just growing up around it at a young age, um, you know, it, it was definitely disturbing and it actually, it helped you become, it helped us become who we are today, if you think about it. I mean, at the end of the day, we had to grow up around that that, that environment. It showed you thank, what you did not want to exactly. be. Exactly, thank yeah. God we had good parents who made sure we didn't get in that and our parents didn't get involved in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, that, I mean, that was my experience. Again, I try to focus more on how I, how I, it really impacted me is because as a woman seeing women and, and there's a there's a study actually that a large majority of the the, the people who, who succumbed to crack a lot of them were the women and again they were having the babies and then and exactly that's when they it's, created you know it's a chain it's a chain reaction chain reaction like exactly. best believe for a long long time in this country black women are the backbone of yeah. the black community so when they go well but that's can, strategic though yeah, yeah. you break the household and yeah. you break the family line that's gonna set them back right there, just decades. And and then if we a, attack a, a, grandma and mom, yeah. think about how that breaks the family. Yeah, yeah. And then arrest the males. And I was about to say, was about to say that. And then destroy the male. Yeah, like exactly. it's, you're done. Put them in jail. You're done. Yeah. Now you got a record. Even if it's something simple, you're still coming out. You can't get a job. Yeah. That was the pretty much the schematic to that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, Barad, you you were in a different neighborhood and you lived on the basically the Carter of the Bronx. So yeah, I, I know I you mean, had I know you had one a of the experience. one of the Carters of the Bronx. No, I definitely did. Listen, I grew up on Weather Avenue between 190th and uh, Kingsbridge, and uh, that building there had the perfect demographic for the setup that they were doing. First of all, the building itself was designed like a castle, mm-hmm. so it has a grand courtyard in the middle and it has two points that come out. Basically, it's a big U. The building on itself. A, on an extreme side note, the Bronx has some beautiful architecture. The architecture on it is amazing. No, no, it's <laughs> like, true though. Like, if you really sit no, back, no, it's not, it's beautiful just, architecture. Like, if you no, really but it is back, true though. It's crazy. Yo, if you go into the shittiest neighborhoods in the Bronx, yo, like just go down to like one six seven all the time where you work at, that exactly. area where you work at. On the concourse, those con- yeah. yo, the concourse mm. was Park Avenue yeah, before yeah, Park Avenue was, was Park yep, Avenue. Yeah. 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 So yep. the architecture there is crazy. You go to some of the buildings, like. Yo, they put up some structures back there. Yeah, definitely. And it, I still it, remember my apartment vividly. My apartment was huge. And they've gone to shit, but like Fast. originally, like it was nice. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. It's all good, man. So again, my building, the the, the layout of it was like a giant U, almost like a penitentiary in a sense. Because if you look at most penitentiaries, they're built like that. Yeah. But we had like a Manhattan Avenue size block. Like to get from Kingsbridge to 190, if it was literally like a Manhattan Avenue wide. Yeah. So, and no streets in the middle. Mm. So it was literally mm. one long ass block that was a one way street. Mm. Yeah, one way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So you had lookouts from every point. You can even set up lookouts on the corners. And they were facilitated to do whatever they needed to do to run the operation they did because of the layout of that building. And because it's a one-way street, it's even easier Exactly. Because now you can flag everything coming into the block. Mm -hmm. Bro, I'm talking about, to the specifics, like when traffic would die down on the block, Mm -hmm. everyone would get highlighted. Whoever was on watch, they'd be on watch even more because that means that they're plugging the cars up on Kingsbridge 
to stop him from coming down so the cops could come up the one-way street and try to blitz him from another side. Like, it, it was like that. Like, they had it down to a science like that. So speaking about having it down to a science, you, you're talking about it from the selling aspect. And it's unfortunate to a certain extent because, you know, they, they kind of get lauded as, as, as heroes of the hood. But the reality is a lot of dudes came up in the 80s and was caking off. So the, 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 the movie paid in full. There's a lot of people that are a little bit younger that watch that movie. They're like, oh, this was a cool movie. And, and don't realize they were based on real life yeah, dudes real getting money yeah. very early in life. So I'm that's what about. I was. I saw that too. So the three brothers that ran my building, they yeah. were young Dominican dudes. And when you talk about brand new cars every summer, they wasn't rocking like regular Beamers and Benz. They had Alfa Romeros out there. Yeah, like yeah. shit that was. Four motherfuckers like, even knew what those were. Bro. Yeah. yeah. Facts, man. I had well, a, a well, Fiero. Like, there was a Fiero on my block. Well, the, um, the, uh, the six series Beamer. Yes. Before they, yeah, before yes. they even like came Correct. back out. It was like the, the, the big ass coupe. And you're Seven, like, Yo, what was is it? it? Um, six, was it um, 650i's? 650 yeah, yep. yeah. Another yep. one, the, the coupe. Yeah. Dude, dude, never saw that anywhere else other than my block. And it's like, it would look like a fucking spaceship because mm -hmm. you're like, what is this? Yeah. But you know I, I will mean? take you somewhere real quick on a dog tote. Like, I lived in a, a building that had 120 apartments. And out of all 120, like 80 something of them were either drug, gun, or prostitution related. Like you said, like the Carter. Yes. So, By the way, for those who are too young, the oh, Carter, shit, we're yeah. referring to the movie New Jack City. <laughs> if you have not seen New Jack City, <laughs> smack yourself. Smack <laughs> yourself in the face, <laughs> dumb hard. Yeah, real hard. You are missing out on a fucking classic. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. But crack hit hard around me. Like, I watch, I, you had mentioned, like, watching Friends. Mm -hmm. I've had, as a young teenager, 12, 13, the neighborhood dudes, especially the brothers, they used to make sure that everybody took care of the building. Everybody had ownership in the building, and they were smart on how they did that. Like, they would put money in our pockets just to make sure that we paid attention to anybody talking about anything there. Smart move. So, when we would do certain, yes, brother, it was very methodical on what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I remember seeing my friend's mothers come into the building. Bro, I was 13 years old. I got offered a blowjob from one of my friend's moms to get him some crack. <laughs> oh, my God. In the hallway. But that's what crack was doing to people. Yeah, man. And I had one particular lawyer that I, that's the first white dude that used to come to my hood. I think I talked to you guys about this story yeah, yeah, before. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. And he used to come through dipped. He had a fresh beamer, cool dude, wild personality. Just for him being a wild dude, a white dude who was wild, coming to the hood yeah. with his bubbly personality, coming with his fucking fine, the suits was fine, tailored. Yeah. Yeah, he was a done up dude. But he would come and I watch him from year to year, car would change. The suits got less fitted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then the suit wasn't a suit anymore. Shoes are scuffed. Now he's walking. Yeah, instead of driving. Now he ain't getting haircuts. Mm, not shaving, probably. Nothing, bro. Yeah. And now, and remember, this guy was a—he was a lawyer. He was a lawyer, and he, then he just stopped coming. So, for people who are not aware, attorneys, in terms of professions that are the most controlled substance consumers. Lawyers are top five. It's doctors number one because they have to. the access to the fucking drugs. Literally, cops, <laughs> cops are, are up there. They also have access to the drugs. Yeah, mm. exactly. And lawyers are right up there. Yeah. Right the fuck up there. They so gotta th be, this story is not fucking surprising, surprising at all. No, but it's very sad. You know what I mean? But like Lee said, man, I grew up. We didn't have, you know, 
the parks weren't the safest space neither, especially during nah, that era. Nah. So we used to do our makeshift basketball courts outside using milk crates and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I remember playing ball outside, outside of the whole aspect of really living in it. But like Lee said, he was playing with it. I remember the puddles from rain when it would rain. And there would be at least 20 to 30 of those vials floating in a yeah, puddle. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's bad, bad. Like, we yeah. would lose handle dribbling because you would hit a fucking crack <laughs> vial and it was the ball go yeah. the other way. Like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. So I, I used to play ball on 3rd Ave um, between East 169 and, and 170th. And same thing. Like, and it was, it was also another court on, uh, on Washington, right? Right in uh, Morris houses. And same thing, man. Like, you would, and, and early on, because they were empty They were always empty like it wasn't Of like, course they was empty, empty. <laughs> They were never like, filled like Just Just so we're clear They were empty mm. this, The crackhead's not gonna lose His fucking vial with, with If you find and fill vials You about to get fucked up Because you just ran up On somebody's stash Yeah, or some yeah, shit. yeah. Your shit was always empty Yeah No no always Always But yeah Like definitely So like on, on, on the flip side of that though Like I was saying earlier Like there was a lot of dudes Getting money And the sad part is and, and we can only speak about it from you know being New Yorkers or whatever, but a lot of dudes saw the opportunities a little further down south, mm-hmm. Baltimore, mm-hmm. DC. Matter of fact, Alpo. D- DC, I think that's where Alpo got shot. Right, he got shot D- in DC. DC, yeah. Yes. DC, that's where it's at. So like, <laughs> so paint a full reference. DC and Baltimore. Still to this day, actually not so much DC, Baltimore though. Baltimore, still. Yeah, have you been in Baltimore? Yeah, Yo, you know what, man? It changed, right? No, it's the same. It hasn't changed. That's oh, the that, I, I wish I had pre-planned this. Dude. I should have actually called oh my, my man because my yeah. man's a detective down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His first like two months on the job, he got shot and stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout out to my man Dre. Dre, like, what up? Yo, Yo his it's like story. Zombie land. You go in so, like I, Yo, he I, said I was it, though, at it's a like light country out there, bro. I was at a light one time. I'm looking like, oh shit, nigga, I need to. Get out of here. So, so here's the thing. We're talking about an epidemic that hit in the 80s and early 90s. Baltimore, parts of Baltimore, not all of Baltimore. So I don't want to so, shit on them, but yeah. parts of Baltimore still look like the 80s. So it's it's 30 sad. years ago. Sad. But that's how hard the epidemic hit. And but remember we're thing, kind though, of responsible for that. No, we're, we're very we're, responsible. Like we that. brought a lot of work into those, those cities. <laughs> yes. A lot of work. We brought everything, though, if you think about it. It all started with things like drugs, then to culture, to music. Because mm-hmm. there was no internet. You know, so people no, no. only heard things through tapes, through yeah. CDs, things that yeah. were imported. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we did channel a lot of shit to the South. We definitely did. The problem is, though, that being in metropolises like ours, we filter through phases faster than the out. The ones on the outskirts. Yeah, too. yeah, definitely, definitely. So like, they're just getting into a prime of something when we've passed it. Like well, because two we're, years we're, ago. The, we're the innovators. Yes, you know, we're the, metropolises we're the usually are, especially places like New York and LA. Yeah, yeah. New York. So, um, speaking of uh, uptown peoples, and, we have and, to and innovators. Yeah, we have to get into our notable mention segment of the illustrious Mister Dapper Dan. It's the SNA Live podcast, and it's time for the notable mention. So for those who don't know who Dapper Dan is, you've heard him referenced in rap songs. Um, on the Blueprint album, Jay-Z said, wear a G on my, my chest, chest, I don't I need Dapper Dan. I was just singing that in my head, bro. This That's ain't a song outfit, home homes is about, about it. it. Was clapping them flamers before it became famous. famous. Playing me, y'all shall forever remain nameless. So who he was referencing was Daniel R. Day. And last year during this pandemic, when I had a little bit more, a little bit more downtime, I read the autobiography of yep. Mr. Dapper Dan. So 
Dapper Dan was a hustler. He was an entrepreneur. He was a businessman. He was an innovator. And contrary to popular belief, a lot of people thought he was a tailor. So he wasn't, actually. And, and to be honest, I didn't even know that until I, I read I the autobiography. So I thought he was making the suits. I thought he was making the coats. I thought he was making the jackets and, and making all this, this fly gear. So what he did was he saw what the the pulse, vibe, the pulse was, mm-hmm. what the vibe was and what people wanted. So the 80s, once again, you had a lot of hustler dudes, a lot of dudes making money, crazy amounts of money. Like I'm talking about like new cars every week, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Chains and, and, and with that, you can now afford high fashion. You can now afford Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Fendi, where dudes didn't even know about that stuff the decade prior. So what he saw was, okay, dudes is getting money. They're going to want to stunt. You know what I mean? So what he did was he hired a couple of tailors, but he had the vision of what the patterns would be. And so for those that don't know, when you watch um, Paid in Full, and you see Cameron, who's played... Um, what was the name of the dude he played? Um, they didn't Rico. say Alpo. Rico. Rico, yes, exactly. Yeah, he Rico. Rico. The Louis Vuitton coat that he had. That was Dapper Dan. The Paid in Full um, Eric B. and Rakim album on the cover. Mm-hmm. When you see them wearing the, 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 the Gucci leathers, mm-hmm. that was Dapper Dan. Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper on yeah. the song Push It. That was on the video Push It. Yep. That was Dapper Dan. He was taking, he was going to these Fifth Ave boutiques and he would originally buy their bags. Because they were larger surfaces. Exactly. And he would cut them up and then he would make coats, he'd make jackets, he'd make hats and then sell them at this little boutique in Harlem. And dudes was loving it. To the point where his spot became like a hangout spot. Mm -hmm. To the point where also he was known for being open late night, like kind of how we are, <laughs> to the point where he had a cot in the back. He would sleep there because people knew, yo, one o'clock in the morning. That was about to say that usually celebrities of that status, they move at night. Mm-hmm. And if they exactly. were going to move at night and they're going to go make a purchase or at least place an order, it's going to be very low key because they don't want nobody seeing that they're even doing it because exactly. they're fucking very protective of their intellect and their yeah. thoughts and their yeah. whatever. So I could see that happening Being that and, late and, night and, and he eventually got sued By people like Gucci And people of course, like Gucci Of course, of course. Well you yeah. know what that is Like wait yeah. a minute Black dude Yeah, yeah exactly you Slow down Yeah You are not gonna be making more Off of our shit Than but we are the, the beautiful part is At the end of all this Gucci ended up hiring him As a consultant exactly. that's, 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 that's That was, that was the, Yeah. That's where we're at now I, I, I saw him on Lennox Ave uh, about, about two three summers ago I was with my wife Well my wife now But then my girlfriend And we were driving down Lennox And it was like Lennox in like One two Four, one, two, three, somewhere around, around where uh, Harlem Haberdashery is. Yeah. And he was standing on the corner, and I, I, I slowed down. I said, babe, you know who that is? She was like, who's that? I said, yo, it's Dapper Dan. And the funny part is, he was wearing a suit. No, it, it wasn't the same suit, but like kind of the same style as the one he's wearing on the cover really? of this, of this nice. book right now. And that's why he stood out. Nice. It, was like, it was like a red type of plaid checkered type of thing. And I was like, yo. Still sharp And Dapper Dan is like In the 70s yeah, right exactly. I was just about to ask That question What's yeah. his age now yeah, He's like he's in the 70s he's still, he's still doing it man He's still doing it So Our notable mention Is, is Dapper Dan man Like
He was an innovator. He was such a, a key in the hip hop movement in the 80s. Matter of fact, it was LL Cool J video where the seats. This is, he's the first dude to ever do this. I remember that. Oh, and uh, what fucking video was that? Was that a, a sob? <clears throat> no, it was it was a Jeep. No, it was a Jeep. I think it was the oh, it was, Pink it was Cookies the Jeep. video. Maybe yeah, it might have been that. Or one. Boomin System. Bo- it had to be Boomin one system. of those. It was Boomin, Boomin system. system. That was Dapper Dan's Jeep. That's crazy. All these rappers that you th- y'all thought was getting money at the time yeah. was borrowing a lot of, of shit. Of course, bro. <laughs> and that was Dapper Dan's Jeep. Of man. course. Shout out Dapper Dan, man. Shout I would I would say he definitely got paid for that too. Yeah, yeah. Innovative and hustle. But that's what most of the gentlemen did back then. And definitely. ladies too, they were innovators. Man. Definitely. So speaking about LL, we gotta get into hip hop and hip hop in the eighties. So I'm gonna kick this topic off and wanna ask y'all. Hot. Who was your favorite rapper out of that era? Eighties? Oh, it was easy for me. Really? Then go ahead, Dan. Speak on it. Rock him. Rock him. Alright, so this is where the all right, so the argument when it comes to eighties hip hop, remember those guys were tagged as a tag team. It was being rock him. Rock him. But, yeah, but I mean, I'm he, just he, saying he, though. Just to, to he be, was he was spitting. He was behind the mic. You know, I know, but it was Eric still B a didn't, show, Eric B though. didn't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Eric B just sit there Yo, with, the, with I, the mean grill, like. Mm. I didn't hear Eric B's voice Until like the 2000s Exactly Yo, you ain't lying, never, bro. He never talked I had no idea What that man sounded like But yo Rakim was just a Like he was just A different style Like he The Nas's and Jada Kisses Came from Rakim There would be no, no A lot Nas of people Came from Jada Rakim Kiss Absolutely Rakim. So that was For me that was Rakim Yeah I mean Big Daddy Kane too Big Daddy Kane that's what, that Listen Daddy Kane It's bro. gotta be a couple guys That are just up there But yo True to what you said Rakim definitely Has to be the leader Of the pack oh, yeah, definitely but there were so many, so many artists that came out during that era. Mm. I mean, L went hard back then, bro. So, and, I, and I've had this conversation with Malik before. Fat Joe is one of my favorite rappers. Uh-huh. And I was watching an interview with him one time, and he was talking about his favorite rapper. Mm-hmm. And it shocked the shit out of me. He said his favorite rapper still to this day of all time is LL Cool J. Yeah, I'm telling you, yo, what L did back then was just different, bro. Like, he was the first dude that really made it cool to be hard and smooth at the same time. Yeah. Like, real talk. Like how Biggie kind of yes. like meshed that yes, too. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very rare. Only a couple of those guys were able to pull that off. Yeah. L was one of those. Um, but I mean, yo, there were so many popular groups too that, I mean, yeah, the groups. Run DMC. Run DMC, yeah. Of course. Public Enemy. Mm. You know, let's not forget the show with fucking Dougie Fresh and fucking Slick, Slick Rick. Rick. I mean, yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's it's tough. Like it's I didn't tough. ask that question because it was an easy question. Yeah. And speaking of two, man, let's get a moment of silence, man, because we recently lost Prince Marky D. Oh yeah, yeah, the Fat man. Boys. Yeah, you know, yeah. for me, it's touching a little bit too because I didn't even know till mm. later in life that. He was actually Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't know that until later. Oh, okay. I thought he was just a light-skinned black dude, to be real with you. But that just shows, once again, I've said this time and time again, there are black people in Puerto Rico. Dude, you know what I'm facts, saying? Like, bro. You have to learn how you, to identify. Yeah, learn your history for real. Yeah, people man. sleep on that. Bro. Hell yeah. But yo, Prince Marky D and the Fat Boys, I got to give them a shout out for a minute because yo, those dudes for me were the epitome of like a crossover they were gimmicky, 
Yeah. But they were the first dudes that also started showing the segue into being able to get that Hollywood money. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget Disorderlies came out Yo, during that time. Wow. That movie was that you was a classic. You know what I'm saying that was a though? Classic and that's why I, Wow. That's what I'm saying you know, though. I almost forgot about that's that. That's what I'm saying. I've seen that movie at least 15 20 times. Me too. Times. I watched no, that movie I, a lot. I did too. But you just didn't remember it cuz yeah. it slipped your mind. Holy shit. Cuz I'm I'm sitting over here thinking about Crush Groove. Yeah. Yes, no. And you brought out Disorderlies. Disorderlies, bro. That's what I'm saying. So they showed that there was another way to get that money. And they, they also showed it didn't have to be all hit, all hardcore. It wasn't they hardcore. They were humor. They were having fun. You know what I mean? They were having fun behind them. They were having a lot of fun. Those dudes was funny in that movie, by the way. That, if, that yo, if you're a hip-hop head and you haven't seen Disorderly, then you're please, not a hip-hop head. Yeah, please look that shit up, man, because it's definitely something so, to... So who, who would you go with, Conway? So, so when Ryan just said Public Enemy, I just thought back... To the amount of times I've listened to Fear of a Black Planet It takes a nation of millions to hold us back And Oh shit What was the other album Um Fuck I'm I'm, I'm Blanking right now On the other album It's about Vini Cause you usually don't do Why why, why are you thinking I have to admit something I was not a big public enemy fan Wow I was not a big public enemy I guess I was in a different space at that time. Like what they was talking about, I guess my mind wasn't ready for that. I was just like, yeah, but I want to hear some lyrics that's talking about killing somebody. And you know, like, nah, but- I want to hear other shit. I'm talking about some chicks, like you but- bagging some girls. Like, yeah, but- I don't want to hear this revolutionary crap. I- I but as you- I got older, I start, I was like, I started to appreciate. I'm like, wow, yeah. they were, they were, uh, yo, they were monumental. Pup- Definitely, I wasn't a big so, public enemy fan though. Like just, just like. Fight the power, obviously, is like their most famous song. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you had to love that. Yeah, song. Like, but radio Nine suckers o- never play yeah, me. Nine one one is a joke. Yeah. Yes, was fucking classic. Um, don't believe the hype. Yeah, fucking that was, classic. Yo, like they, they, Chuck they, D. I love their singles. But, it's just when I started listening to the albums, I would, they, they started losing me. I was just like, like yeah. Chuck D. To me, and this may be a reach for some because I know you still part of the same ever as like Rock Him, but Chuck D. For me, was like a happy blend between a rock him and a Nas because he knew yeah, how to tell I can stories. See I, can, I can see that. You understand? Yeah, yeah I can see that. Definitely. But he had this real edge to him where he was not fucking afraid to stand up for what he felt was right. Yeah, and he facts. and they brought it to the light. Every video, every album, and they stayed consistent. They were definitely consistent. So I'm, I'm gonna mention a name that we have not mentioned, but considering his ego, he probably holds himself as the greatest rapper of that ever, or probably greatest rapper of all time. And coincidentally. He actually had, even though he's not my favorite rapper of the era, he had my favorite song of the era. And that's Mr. Chris Parker, a.k.a. KRS-One. Yo, big ups to BX. And KRS is a... And that song... He's a legend, man. The bridge he's, is over. Definitely the he bridge murdered. Is, yo, he destroyed yeah. <laughs> all of Queens with that song. He did. And what I did not know until I was watching that hip-hop uh, documentary on Netflix... I didn't realize because you know we were kids. You know what I'm saying? I didn't realize. I'm thinking he was that brash and, and that and that boastful because he had been in the game for a little while. Nope. Yo, that was like his second yes, song. Yes, it was. Really? Yeah, South bro. Bronx was like his first I, song. I saw that shit on that documentary too. I didn't know that either. Wow, I didn't know that. This motherfucker was living in a homeless shelter. Yeah, bro. And then, Get out of here. And there's then, a huge story to him with that. And I then came out and heard. Um, uh, uh, MC Shan and them talking about how like you know hip hop is you know Queens is in it and he was like man fuck these motherfuckers wow and then I'm like yo you live in a homeless shelter my dude like you know what I'm saying like you just came out mad bold he had nothing to lose exactly and exactly. that's usually the mentality of a Bronx yeah. dude anyway though yeah. Bronx women too I just gained some respect for him 
Yo, dude, yeah, no, like he said, his first two or three songs were literally the songs you still remember him for, yeah. like for out the bat, and like all, out the gate. So South Bronx, I think, was like his first song, and then Queens came back or whatever, and then he was like, okay, I'm gonna eat the y'all guys. Before there was Ether, yeah, there was the bridge is over, it's over, it's over, yo, that, yo, that easily was my favorite song of the era even though he wasn't my favorite rapper so going back to your question about who's my favorite rapper of that era i gotta side with, with malik with, with rakim and here's why before rakim we had people like ll came out before rakim run dmc came out before rakim yeah we used to have guys like kumo d kumo d and yeah, yeah krs kane yeah so kane i want to say it was around the same time as rakim yeah that yeah, was right there yeah those two ushered in motherfuckers stepping their lyrical game up. You had to. That's why I, I love you, them You both. didn't have Nas, Wu-Tang, Redman. None yeah. of those dudes would have existed if, like, if you go back and listen to Paid in Full, lyrically, Rakim is spitting shit that's better than, like, 95% of the dudes <laughs> right now. No, that's yeah. true. And that was, like, 87. Yeah. Think about that for a hot mm-hmm. second. We're talking about dudes that you're here, that you're, you're listening to now or hear now on the radio, weren't born until like the year 2000, 2001, mm-hmm. and 15 years prior to that, mm-hmm. somebody was spitting bars harder and better Facts. than the best thing that they could ever come up with in their life. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny. I equate there would be no Nas without Rakim. But listen to this. Yeah. There would be no Jay Z without Big Daddy King. Think mm. about styles. Yeah. Big Daddy Kane style. So, that was yeah. all was, Jay, especially when Jay first came out. There was that was all Big Daddy Kane. So right if you're a hip hop head and you're a vinyl head, there was a song that was in between the era of like the late eighties, early nineties called In the PJs. And it was a live recording done with Big Daddy Kane. Jazzo, Jay Z, yeah, and a couple of other I heard, artists. I heard that on the documentary. Yep, I have. I own that vinyl still mm. till today. Mm. I actually have three of those cuts. Um, you heard Jay rhyming like Jazzo back in the day when yeah. Kane yeah. was flipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to prove that point, if anyone looks that song up, it's called "In the PJs." You can mm. probably YouTube it or some shit. You'll hear how Kane was flowing, and you will hear how Jay was originally flowing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're, they're both Brooklyn dudes. No, yeah. facts, hands down. So I'm sure, uh, like, all Brooklyn dudes looked up to King. Yeah, they looked up to King. They did, but Jay looked up to Jazzo at the time, which is why he took some of his shit right away. Mm-hmm. But I think when he did get closer to Kane, like when they started recording around each other, yeah, I think that's when Jay was just like, "Yo, you know what? This dude's on to something. Yeah. I could, I could actually flip that mm-hmm. in a different way." Yeah. So mean. I got a question for y'all. If you had to tag one song from the hip hop era in the eighties, one song that stood out amongst all of them, what would it be? The message. Okay. You went to the original. The original. That's what okay. started. Okay. That's what started. That's like earlier. Broken glass. Everywhere. So that was such an impactful song. Oh, it definitely so, was. No, it I'm really not, was. I'm not gonna take anything away from that. Like that that was like one of the first songs where it's like, okay, yeah, we can party. Yeah, we can have a good time. Let me tell you but about let's, what's going let's, on. let's talk about what's going on in the hood. Yeah, man. Let's talk about how these cops are treating us. Let's talk about how 
the government is pretty much ignoring us. Let's talk about our environment and what we're growing up in and the shit that we have to see day in, day out. So it was such an impact. Do you song. remember that video? Like, yeah, the I background. Remember. Oh, yeah. The, it was the Bronx. It was the Bronx. Abandoned buildings. Burnt down yeah. buildings. down. Like, it was crazy. Like you man. said, broken glass everywhere. Yeah. So, like, people pissing on the floors, man. They just don't care. care. People who didn't grow up in New York, specifically in, in the Bronx. It was in the, horrible in the 80s. that time. Like, and that's why we say it was sadness. It was the bad, but there was there was such beauty that came out of it. Yeah, man. New York was fucked up in the eighties. Yo, especially in the Bronx, it with, really was bad. With Reaganomics and everything, like it was horrible in terms of the environment. But but through that came such amazing, amazing music. And to answer your question, Ryan, I'm glad you asked this. My and it's gonna be a song that you're gonna be like, really? Okay, because I don't know why it resonated with me, and maybe it just it just it it, it just shows like my personality and, and, and this speaks to something else I'm going to talk about later in the last call but Top Villain by Audio 2 yo <laughs> so that was yo that was the first rap song I ever memorized ah uh, okay yo <laughs> and that's when I was like yo I'm a hip hop head and I was like 8 years old when that song I saw came them out. live you saw Audio 2 live yes where at the fever say word I never forget my boy's father had a vault van. I don't even know if they freaking even made those past the nineties. And we all piled in, and we. My boy at the time was a, a rapper during that era. But what was funny is the rap groups back in the day and did during that era too. Yo, they had to dance too though. Oh, you had to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and yo, I saw Kane at uh, at BB King's before they shut that down. He was dancing, right? Still dancing. You have to with, with, Scoob, with Scoob and Scrap. <laughs> Shout out See? Scoob and Scrap. Yo, but if you remember the '80s, man, like everything, there was like a notion behind it where like battles in the clubs weren't even fought with fists; it was fought out dancing. dancing. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. We talked about. But you had that movie. Nah, I don't know if you remember the, uh, Cedric too. Yeah, Cedric, 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 Cedric did yeah, talk yeah, about that. Do you guys ever remember the movie called Flashdance? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now uh, there Jennifer, was Jennifer Beals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then there yeah. was another spinoff of that that was like a fame type of thing. It was called Fast Forward. You don't, don't remember don't that remember. one? I gotta look that up. And no, that one I had don't. some of the same characters in it from mm -hmm. Fame. Okay. And there was a lot of actual stars in there that were later on. Like, um, what was the Spanish dude that came out in New York on the cover that was also a dancer? Michael Jackson? Yeah, Michael DeLorenzo. DeLorenzo. Yeah. He was in that movie as well, too. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, I've never so, seen like, that. So, like, it just shows you, though, just the edge on that. But, yo, top billing, that I have to agree with. I, that's a hard one for me to choose from. Like, Malik's went to the core, but, like, your pick went to me what the epitome of hip-hop was going to yeah and for those that don't know that's the song that that 50 cent song i get money that, that, I get money. yeah, yeah it, money. it sampled yeah. that yeah. song when he said call me milk when i'm busting up a body i yeah, feel no guilt. guilt yeah look at that it's hardcore yeah so at the, the point where i get money money get, yeah got, mm -hmm. yeah i get money money, money i, I got, got. Mm -hmm. yeah so that's what 50 sampled so it was that song and when i so I'm not even a big 50 fan. When that song came that out, was I was like, oh, 50 got, 50 got the summer. Yes, he did. 50 had the summer right you there in that, that song. And then they did the remix with yeah, the with three, the, three yeah. the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but yo, dope, two dope choices. I think I honestly felt that I, I had one, but I think your point literally trumped my idea. So I'm curious about yours, though. You got to still say it. Like, <sighs> 
for me personally, I was a real big fan of Run DMC. Okay. And their Tougher Than Leather album. Mm. Tougher Than Leather itself. Like that song itself. Like, oh, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought I, you were going to go with Rockbox, but okay. No, just because. Remember, we're talking about. This is about 1986, 87. There wasn't a lot of visuals for us to have. We no, didn't have computers. No. And like back in the day In the 80s Like if you missed your TV show You missed it for life yeah. <laughs> It was a wrap <laughs> You were never seeing that no show reason. again yeah, no So we didn't have a lot of visuals But That album cover of Tougher Than Leather With Run DMC on it So three of them with a far shot They all got their Adidas suit You could see them full body from a distance With their fedoras on Yes with the fedoras on It was just something about that album And how those guys collaborated I couldn't really pick one song off the album Because to be honest with you I think I've said this to y'all before. I didn't grow up a hip hop head in the eighties. Yeah. I yeah. grew up he a rock, rock head. He was a rock yeah. head. I know. But Tougher Than Leather was the album that segued it for me along with songs like Top Billing. That's why when you said it, yeah. it caught me. Mm. You know, so mm. I mean Because it kinda blended the genre it did. somewhat. It yeah. kinda did, man. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And then the early nineties started panning in right away with groups like, you know, Nice and Smooth and shit like that. And yeah, then man. Dwick came out, you know what I mean? So that's that's when hip hop started, started just going. Fun. It started getting yeah. which is probably my favorite song in the early nineties. Dude, mine right that is mine. That's why yeah. I named it right there. Anytime that song comes on, I'm stopping the H <laughs> yeah. Yo, that Yo. shit is fire. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Ooh. So So I gotta tell y'all a story real quick. Um Early, early. So, we're talking about 80s hip-hop, and people think hip-hop, they think the 80s in terms of, like, the genesis of it, when in reality, it was actually the late 70s. So, people... Who you gonna go with? Because I, so, I got something for that, too. So, it's, it's, it's a real quick story. So, the the genesis of, of hip-hop actually started in the, in the late 70s with block parties, where the DJ, you would... This would any light post that you see, there's a panel. Yeah, we used the, to bust that open base. and just exactly. take the, the electric feed, take the juice. put a little pig to, a pigtail on it, and exactly. then you exactly. plug out your systems. And those were the those were the block parties in the Bronx. Yeah. So, exactly. Shit. So speaking of such, there was a dude named Cool Herc. So at the time, so my, my pops, um, at the time, he was helping. So there was a woman that ran Claremont Community Center. Mm-hmm. Claremont Community Center is on East 169 between 3rd Ave and Washington Ave, right near Morris Projects, um, where I, I partially grew up. So my pops used to help the woman run the community center. He used to, uh, so they had a gym. Uh, he would, he would uh, referee basketball games there. My nice. pops was a ball player back in the day. So there was, it was also like a community room. Obviously, community center, community uh-huh. room. And people all the time, you know, little like neighborhood parties, the community room in the community That's center. That's you rented out. Exactly. So there was this dude, big diesel dude, light-skinned diesel dude with dreads <laughs> that came up to my pops and was like, yo, I want to rent this this room out for this party. So he was like, all right, cool. you know. So because he helped run the community center, he was kind of like the chaperone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So my pops is, is, is born in, in 46. So at the time, he's in his 30s. So Cool Herc and them, they're all like teenagers, early 20s or whatever. So my pops is there. He's, you know, making sure everything's cool with the party, whatever. Keep, keep in mind, this is late 70s. And, and it's South, a lot of shit going on. In, in the South Boogie. So he's like, you know, making sure everything goes, goes okay. So he's sitting there watching the party. 
and listening to this music that he's never heard before. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yo, what the fuck? What is this what, shit? What is mm-hmm. this? And that was Cool Herc, and that was hip hop, and that was like the genesis mm-hmm. of hip hop. My, my pops saw it That's live, crazy. live, and didn't know what the hell he was no watching. No cell phone, no YouTube. Exactly, clip. but he knew like whatever's going on here, people are feeling it, mm-hmm. and that that was the energy. But for you to even hear that story means that it resonated with him so much that yeah. he told it. Yeah. Oh, forget that. So here's here's how that story came up in Cretona Park. Which is a park in, in the South Bronx. There's a um, there's something called Old Timers Day. Yeah, so I, I don't know if they still have it. But yeah, they, they still do it. They, I think really? they do. Yeah. Okay, so I it, think all the rituals in the Bronx with Old Timers Day, they still do. Yeah. So it was the first Sunday of August in in Cretona Park. Mm-hmm. So this is like maybe 97, 98. I was home for the summer from from college or whatever, and I met Cool Herc. He was there. And my pops came up to him. They were talking or whatever. My pops reminded him of that party. That party. Wow. And he was like, wow. You were there. He was like, yeah, yeah. I was, I was the dude. I was the one that got you in there. Yeah. That's crazy. So as I'm listening to them talk or whatever, I was like, yo, what, what, what were you talking about? And he told me the story. And I was like, yo, that is the coolest story wow. fucking ever. Of course. Wow. And I'm like, wow. Like, and because I'm such a hip hop head, it was such a cool story to hear in terms of, and that's why I'm so proud like that I was born in the Bronx and, and partially raised in the Bronx because, because I'm such a hip hop head, Anytime I see, and it doesn't matter where the rapper's from, you got rappers like out of London right now. Oh, yeah. You Some got, of them are dope, yeah, though. They you, dope got, you, got, you got Japan. You got, yeah, you got breakdancing out in Japan and yeah. in Korea. Yeah. And it's like when I see that, and I'm like, shit, the Middle East, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I see that shit, and I'm like, it all started, mm-hmm. in, my, it all started in my borough. Yeah, that, that, if it so wasn't from the Bronx, this rap shit probably wouldn't be going on. on. Exactly. It's a fact there, man. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's why, like, when you talk about the 80s and we talk about 80s babies. Pay homage, like Fat Joe always to say, man. Yeah, that, that, man. That, you got to pay homage to the Bronx and, and to the pioneers that trendsetted this whole generation of, 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 of or genre of music yeah. that has just grown into its own thing now. But if it wasn't for the originators, it wouldn't be here. Exactly. At all. Exactly. All those jokes about the Bronx, because obviously Bronx is known for being wild and a little crazy. Charlemagne being the, the the main dude yeah. cracking jokes, cracking jokes. But you're on a hip hop station, my dude. Yes. Yeah, wake Respect. up. And guess what? Respect. There wouldn't be no hip hop station if it wasn't for the BX Borough. Yes, sir. So, like Fat Joe said, pay homage, pay my dude. Pay homage. And on that note, it's a wrap for this episode. We appreciate you joining us on this journey. This season, as previously said, you can find us on One Institution Media's platform as we have officially joined the OIM family. You can also still hit us up on our social media pages, including Instagram at SNA Live Podcast. We're also on Twitter. We're on Twitch. We're on Facebook. Hit us up with your questions and feedback. And in the words of Shirley Chisholm, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. We out. Peace. You have just listened to the SNA Live experience. We want to thank you for tuning in with us. We'll be back with another episode.